Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? Or in the case of today, we're interviewing who? My guest today is director Alberto Mielgo. He's a Spanish director. He has a new animated short out that has been shortlisted for an Academy Award already. And it's about an exploration of what is love and a collection of vignettes. And it actually just came out online today. So there's a link to the short in the episode description. Just a slight heads up. It's a very adult themed short film. So we talk about the windshield wiper. We talk about one of his other films, which is part of the Love, Death and Robots series called The Witness that's on Netflix. He won Emmys for that. He actually also won an Emmy for his work as the production designer on Tron Uprising. And also just a little bit of context for something that comes up later in the discussion. He's credited as a visual consultant on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He was brought in pretty early, but Sony ended the relationship after one and a half to two years. He has very nice things to say about the film, but we talk about what that experience was like. It'll make sense in the context of the conversation, but just so you know what transpired there. So without further ado, do here's we're interviewing who emotionally what was the most challenging scene to get right emotionally that's a good question i suppose that the whole maybe the suicide i suppose it was pretty heavy and also i didn't know how people might get it you know what they think about also you know i kind of like like the character a lot and i felt that you know looking at the camera before jumping was sort of like a very kind of a strong decision but I liked it, you know, like love takes a lot of lives, um, especially young people very early in their lives. And I wanted to reflect it. I wanted to be part of it. And I didn't want to be very explicit, but um, I think that emotionally it was, was difficult. Also, it was very difficult technically because the the hair, you know, is like is real hair that I was recording a lot of my friends, I mean, a couple of friends of mine with similar hair, I was recording with a fan and then I was, I had to put it like manually. It was like a penny, penny in the ass. You didn't want to like push a mannequin off a roof for reference. <laughs> There's too much for no. <laughs> Probably a good call. Um, well, I was going to ask also logistically what was the most challenging scene, but it sounds like that may have been amongst the top. Yeah, that one also because it has a very heavy sort of like painting 3D it's like mm-hmm. a painting, but it's 3D, you know, with all the streets. It's basically, it's not 3D. It's not actually a, a building. It's just like a bunch of cards put in a certain way that it gave you the impression of like a big street. And that was what was very challenging as well. It was a lot of painting to do, a lot of things to do in terms of compositing. So I would say that, yeah, perhaps. And also I think it's, it's the la- one of the last scenes that we actually did mm. uh, because we were kind of like leaving them, leaving them for the end. But I think it's one of the last things that we did. Just actually, technically, like what what was this animated in? Because it, it is so many mixed looking at least yeah. mediums, but you can always fake that. And so I, I'm just curious. Yeah, As, I mean, I was just talking with someone uh, like a few hours ago, and, and a lot of a lot of the scenes are 2D. A lot of the scenes are just like a painting with a 3D character. Mm-hmm. Um, we were using Maya uh, mm-hmm. as the main software for almost everything. We were using Marvelous Design for cloth simulation. And then obviously uh, After Effects, Photoshop and Premiere was the main tool. I mean, they are my, my basically my tools. Right. This is going to be a, a more broad philosophical question, possibly. So I was looking at your website and um, it's very direct, I would say, about like the type of projects and the type of work you're interested in. And was there one particularly catalytic moment for you in going, you know what, I'm just going to be like super clear in what I'm interested in? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you actually put it very, you actually phrase it very well. 
I think it was a, a time in which I wanted to direct, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, I was kind of like excited. I was working for other people, designing their worlds, designing their movies. And I, and I had a lot to say, you know, not only in terms of design, like I realized that the final vision, it was not as interesting as I might, or as interesting for me as I would do it. And then I say, I think that the only way to basically keep control of my art and keep control of compositions and things is if I do it myself. So I create my studio and before even the, the windshield wiper, which is kind of like the first sort of like film that I started directing, but I stopped it many times uh, because the project has been with me seven years. But even before that, I did like a number of fake commercials that I did in 2D just by myself, just trying to show clients or people like, hey, I'm a director, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And I was doing like a fake Philips commercial, everything kind of like 2D painted. And it was cool. It it made a good impact back in the time. But still, it did not give me the opportunity to direct. (laughs) So that was the that was the the key moment like i want to stop doing things for for people and and nowadays when people ask me to do concept art or art direction i'm usually i don't have time but mostly i'm not interested like i just want to art direct my own films we're going to take a quick break and be right back and we're back yeah i mean obviously there are challenges when you're working on a project when someone else has directional control but what do you find the most challenging part of working on you know self-guided projects essentially right because it's you're trading off some of the yes i I think it's because uh the most challenging i am i'm self-taught like i i never went to school and i learned to paint by myself i learned to draw by myself i learned storytelling by watching movies and also i learned a lot by working so every time that I start a painting for example it's just like a literally a white canvas and I never start the same and I always have a lot of insecurities how I'm going to paint how I'm going to design so every time that I start a film it's just like okay a total uh new thing to do and and that that is the most challenging part I think I am um, starting and having no clue because I don't have rules I don't have techniques or things like that is there anything that you've picked up over the years to sort of help you with your process to get over that sort of initial bump? Or is it just every project is so different that... Yeah, um, love, I mean, every project happened to be quite different. I just delivered a project literally like a month ago. And it's very different from anything that I did before. Even though when you watch it, I mean, people have been telling me that, yeah, that looks like definitely looks like yours but you know it's, it's more organic it's, com- it's totally on nature for example mm-hmm. so it's not usually i do a lot of architectonical i mean architectural things but um yeah i guess that a lot of people usually the question for some directors maybe that they don't do art direction is like why did you pick this sort of art direction but in my case that's the only art direction that I know how to do. I mean, I can force myself and try something else, but I've been developing a style that I think that is kind of like interesting for storytelling. Even if you compare, for example, the windshield wiper with the with the new project that I just delivered, you can actually see that perhaps it's mine, but you can see that, oh, it went definitely much further. So I think I'm evolving. I continually will evolve. I hope that people don't get tired by it you know it's it's always your fear you know if, if you're getting old 
maybe your style gets old. Uh, I hope that that's not the case, and I hope that I keep evolving and doing interesting stuff. Well, it's, a, it's a good segue because speaking of evolving, I would love to know, like, what is what is appealing about NFTs to you? Okay, because it's such a it's such an interesting space for artists, right? I feel like there are people who yeah. are very against it, but you seem to have like aggressively embraced it. Yeah. But I noticed some of yours also have like actual physical elements. So, yeah, well. They were asking me before, do, what do you prefer, physical or digital? And I say digital by far because, mm-hmm. you know, I learned how to paint digitally in Photoshop first. I love digital art. It's very comfortable to carry digital art. Like personally, I have a lot of paintings and that's worse to having a piano. You know, it's like you don't even know, you know, if you have to move or you, you, it's, it's, it's a pain in the ass and it's very delicate. Mm-hmm. You also deteriorate with time while digital at least now they stay there and as long as technology keeps reading the same files it's going to be there perhaps either forever as i was saying at some point but um, nfts for me even fuck it changed so much from the first drop that i did and now it's almost like a completely different thing but what i really like is that it's it's almost like a fuck off to the sort of like normal contracts that we have with uh big companies where mm-hmm. you basically fucking sell your soul you know i've been right. having a, a meeting once when i was trying to sign a contract and the person obviously i don't want to tell you which company but the person told me that because we were arguing you know we were having an argument about if i can keep the rights of whatever and and the person that we were talking she says like yeah so you know if you're doing any doodling right now in, in while you're talking in the phone, that's ours. And I was like, fuck you, big time. You know, it's like, yeah. how, how is it possible? The, the, the contracts are very aggressive. You just give your soul anytime that you basically do a design or you make anything. So NFT somehow, at least for the artist, is, is your best way to control, first of all, that you sell your own art and also you have royalties that not even art galleries, they actually do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that is the future. I also think that um, people is seeing any sort of like crypto or NFT almost like um, like we were seeing internet in the early beginnings. You know, like people they were saying, "Oh, well, I, I still want to write my letter and send my letter to my girlfriend. Nobody's gonna stop me from doing that. Doesn't matter if it's internet or whatever. You know, like." I remember in the beginning of internet that everything sounds like inter inter what internet what what is that yeah what's an um, email <laughs> what is an email exactly I want to write my letters and now you know I actually met a girl recently that she was sending postcards and that's a total weirdo you know that was very interesting by the way but uh, I think that is where everything is going I think it's it's smart I think it's interesting. The smart contracts are really cool. They are highly controlled by the artist. And I want to keep exploring it. I think it's very interesting. And I'm going to tell you also something. The people that is behind, there is like a lot of young people that they are like getting, you know, they're like billionaires right now. And um, I almost want that. Like I almost want a new rich type of person. I want a new billion, that billionaire, you know. I want people that they, and also these people, they are not, you know, like only thinking about their own benefit. There is people that they might spend a lot of time in internet, reading a lot of time. Some of them, they are really smart. And you just want smart people with money. I just want to do art, but I just mm-hmm. want people that this is smart to be a billionaire. You know, you might want more 
Elon Musk's or things like that, you know, or like a very, very good version. I hope that he never becomes like an evil character, but you might want more of those. Well, so similarly, you know, you said you want to do art in this new space. Like where, what's your dream for where technology like will take us with this new, you know, metaverse and and new paradigms and all that stuff? Like where are you interested in seeing it go? Because obviously you've said like new, new, newly empowered people with financial securities. But like for you, what what's your dream? You know, yeah. is it utilitarian distribution, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that my ideal, I mean, I am very classical in a way and, and very sort of, I don't see myself making a 3D movie where you can actually explore everything in virtual reality. I, I, I don't find it that interesting for me right now. I like to, mm-hmm. I like to show my stuff flat. I love mm. to choose my my shots. I like to choose the rhythm. I don't want you to be distracted looking anywhere else or find your own adventure. I I, I want to make a movie. That's my dream. That's basically right, like the my guided dream. storytelling. Yeah. Exactly. Now, what I think that is my dream in terms of like where this might take us is in order to perhaps imagine that it comes a time in which. I can self-finance my own films mm. that I can, that I don't have to go knocking on Hollywood people and saying like, please finance my film. I have a cool idea. That's where I see this is a dream time, but I still want to deliver flat for now. I think. Going back to the windshield for a second, wiper for a second, you know, this, I also think uh, some of your, the love, sex and robots, like love is such a, a big part of this and and just hearing you know talking to you like do you consider yourself an optimist or a pessimist oh i am or both um, or neither (laughs) i'm very light in terms i mean i'm i don't know i don't think i'm a pessimistic at all i think that perhaps i can be a cynic with a specific Mm. you know depending where i am maybe the windshield wiper has a little bit of a cynic tone uh just because he's talking about love nowadays and i think that love nowadays is slightly corrupted uh somehow with our society and the way that we function the windshield i mean the the witness somehow is like a toxic weird relationship i would say so i I don't think i'm a pessimistic i don't think that i i am like a super optimistic but definitely not enough definitely not a pessimistic i would say that i am in the middle a healthy balance, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, bottle, right. the bottle seems, you know, cool. Doesn't matter what yeah, is the amount. The bottle has liquid in it. So we're going with that. You know? <laughs> exactly. It has liquid. <laughs> you know, this is a broader question, but how do you relax? I don't. <laughs> no, this I'm is kidding. an answer I get no. often from animators so, <laughs> or like I'm directors. Kidding. Yeah. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. Um, I when I work on my projects, like for example, the last one that I just delivered, mm-hmm. I started working on March 2020, and I Oof. didn't have a single day off until November 2021. Only uh, New Year, New Year's Eve, no, New Year's Eve, no, I was working um, Christmas Eve 2020. So COVID, in a way, it got me inside uh, working. It was convenient. It was no distractions. Nobody was calling me to do anything because you couldn't go anywhere. But I didn't have one single day off. I can handle that. I can handle stay by five months without talking a single word with anybody. I'm okay. I mean, that's not the true because we were having meetings, sure. uh, online meetings, but not like physical really relation with 
with nothing in five months. And um, the way that I relax is I love running and I love cycling and I do it daily, even though now I'm putting days off because it's better for my body because otherwise I get injured. But like exercising for me is key. Like the best ideas, usually writing ideas, next projects, they usually come when I am exercising. This is it. I'm, I'm also a runner. So do you oh, you are? Cool. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, fun. Do you yeah. listen to music while you run? All or do you time. listen to anything? No, no. I listen to music very specific okay. and it needs to be something that is good for either the mood of what I want to think about. Like if mm. I were to, you know, like for example, a film that is moody or, you know, like, right. a, I don't know, I, I try to listen to something that puts me in that mood and then I, I run. Basically my, my body in movement triggers ideas. So I cannot listen to anything that is distracting for my brain. I cannot listen to anything that is, you know, I love electronic music, but electronic music put me on this kind of mood of like thinking, triggering, triggering thinking. Mm -hmm. But if it's anything that I don't like, it's not for my body of motion. It's just for my uh, uh, brain. Like I want to think, I want to create when I'm running. Yeah, so I, I totally get it because I, I find myself, you know, it's I'm very sensitive, I think, to the music I listen to. So I actually just stop listening to music because I'm not going running with the same goals as you. But I, you know, I'm like, oh, if this is a song I want to skip, it just takes my whole body out of the process. Yeah. You know, anyway, this is a tangent. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, my next question is, what's one thing you wish you had more time for? Um, hmm, I guess maybe vacation, maybe staying with my friends. Uh maybe you know yeah socializing going out things like that and i i never had too much time for that i think it's been it's been a, it's been a while even though i have very close friends many places like in la in spain um in london um and and i never i never never lose them you know i still and i always have you know a person that i can call to you when i have a beer or whatever but this it's never enough time. And I remember in LA, I had like a one year off and that was really amazing. It was, you know, every day just hanging out with people. It's, it's, it was almost like a new teenager time. It was really, really cool. This is a, a different direction with these questions. Growing up, who was your favorite fictional character? Tintin. Really? Or, or Tantan. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid. Basically, yeah, yeah. When I was, is the is the main reason why I work in, in this basically. Could you elaborate a little bit more? Like, what is it about? It was the world, the universe. Um, it was the first comic book that fell into my hands. My mm. father was reading to me that comic book when I didn't even know how to read. And at that time, I say I wanna be a comic book artist. I wanna be an animator or whatever. Like I was not even four or five. I wanted to basically create vignettes i wanted to create mm -hmm. stories and even when i when i i mean i have it here even the first is actually this one this is oh, the wow. first comic book ever fell into my hand this very same one and even the smell you know mm -hmm. is it just like transport me to that whole universe it was very nice naive adventures everywhere in the world it, it evolves over the years the characters they were very cool um the drawings they were beautiful and then that leads into looky look asterix 
and then all the Disney films. But I think that the first one, first one was was Tintin. This is a similar question, but um, you know, you mentioned you learn storytelling by watching movies. Yeah. What is the first film you remember seeing in theaters? Uh, that's a very good question, but I vividly remember E.T. Mm. You know, because I remember something that I never seen ever before, which was I was crying because of the movie. And then I look around and the entire fucking theater was crying, like sobbing. Mm-hmm. And I never seen that after in, in movies. Maybe, I mean, I never seen Titanic maybe in the cinema. Maybe that happened when this movie came out. I doubted that it was as strong as watching E.T. That was wild. Yeah, the shared experience. I laughed at the end of... Yeah, like, oh my God, what's going on? You laughed? No, I laughed at the end of Titanic and I got popcorn thrown at me. Of <laughs> course, very, how cool yeah, you. It was, it was not the right audience for that one, but, you know, my theater yeah, was crying. N- I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I, I, I might have to. You're fine. <laughs> so <laughs> the name of this podcast is We're Watching What? So I'm curious, is there okay. anything you're watching right now? Um, there is always, I'm always watching stuff. I mean, and um, it's randomly, I watch a lot of European film or American film from the 70s. The last film that I was watching, it was called Burned by the Sun. It's a Russian film that won an Oscar. Really cool. Uh, they did three movies after, I mean, two movies after. Uh, but it's, the first one was like, wow, so amazing. And I don't watch TV shows because I never have the time. You know, it's like I'm, I always like to invest on film and mm-hmm. um, TV shows. You know, a lot of people, they come to me like, oh, my God, you have to so- see this show. I'm just watching now the eighth season. And it's like, holy <laughs> shit, how can you? So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't do it. And there is another, a lot of TV shows that I that they are on my list, like, you know, The Wire Sopranos, a lot of classics already that I never watched that I really want to see. But cinema is something that there is so much. There is so many forgotten films. There is so many films out there that, you know, there is this science fiction film that is fucking insane. I would like to, it's called, um, do I have time to search it? Because do you like science fiction? Oh, I love science fiction. Okay. You have to watch this trailer because it's, very incredible. Okay, okay. Just just quickly because I just wanna really I have not seen it. I only seen the the trailer and it's on my list and I, I, I found it already. In Spanish is called Sobre el Globo de Plata. Over the Silver Globe. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if it's on the Silver Globe. Is it Polish? It is Polish, yes. Okay. I will I will definitely take a look. <laughs> It's unbelievable. A little bit of me was like, I wonder if he's going to say the Michael Bay upcoming film as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very, I'm very peculiar about film. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I love film, but I also I'm not very much like into super blockbuster stuff or or superheroes or things like that. Like I, I like very maybe high eyebrow. Some people will define it, but I enjoy so much with philosophical films or. Or things that they are definitely like, you know, small and some films that I love. People, I don't know, when I watch it with my friends, they are like, dude, can we change this or can? So I usually watch film by myself. 
I want to be mindful of time, and I also don't know if you're yeah. very sick Sorry. of this question. No, no, no. It's your time. I've got plenty of time. Okay, okay, okay. But don't. Yeah, you can you can tell me if you're sick of this question, and we don't have to discuss it. But it does lead me to you know you did spend a fair amount of time on a really big superhero animated. Oh film. yeah, of course. Yeah. So what like what drew you to that? Not being necessarily a fan of because you did mention a love for comics, right? So I could see. Yeah the appeal but you know what what was it that you were like yeah okay i'll work on one of the most commercially like viable superheroes of all time sure 100 <laughs> percent. that's actually a good question and I, I didn't have that question that often to be honest um the thing is that at the time i was um trying to put my feet on directing um mm-hmm. uh but i couldn't find anything you know people were not like interested on what i could bring uh, I didn't have that as much experience. I was just doing these two D sort of uh, films that I was telling you uh, as a as a as a card, right? Right. Uh, and then I was represented by Framestore at the time as a mm-hmm. director, and they were like, "Okay, let's try to promote this this guy." But it never picked up, and I really needed money. I was broke. Like my life is always like a, I'm kind of like always sort of like struggling somehow because I'm very bad managing my own. I mean, my own money. But at the time, I was really struggling. And I remember they they called me and I say, like, look, I really want to focus on directing. So um, the only reason why I will do this is if my career is not going that well. So after a few months, it didn't go that well. I was not directing at all. So they called me again and they insist. and, And then we agree something. And I say, like, if you let me direct, the full test that we're going to show at Comic-Con, I will do it. So that was the main, the main phrasing. And that, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's why I say it. Of course, I have to say that aesthetic, in, the, in, in aesthetic ways, I find it fascinating. You know, like uh, even though I, I didn't grow up with Marvel, I always loved the pop art of mm-hmm. all these Marvel comics. And exploring storytelling, uh, with comic books in animation, that was for me a really fun thing to do and really cool, you know, like the patterns, uh, the balloons, mm-hmm. um, all the kind of like, you know, the text, all the things that you can put um, in, in comic books, put them into animation. So it was really cool and and I had a lot of fun, but originally it was that, like the chance of directing this, this test that never happened. I mean, I end up only doing five scenes that they were pretty phenomenal nobody have ever seen them by the way uh but they are like super super cool and and also you know spider-man is a pop art character and and i was a little bit tired of the of the superhero that is super tough and um always wearing you know black leather it's almost like after matrix every superhero somehow become black leather instead instead of ridiculous spandex you know that they are like because you know they are look at wolverine you know yeah the 70s x-men like vibe wolverine is yellow and he wears a fucking spandex yellow (laughs) with this massive hairy chest and now wolverine is like you know like you know brown leather or whatever it's it's a completely different vision it is funny you talking about getting away from black leather because then if you watch The Witness, it's like all that's there you go. But that's latex. That's different. Yeah, okay, okay. It's easier Hello. to get in and out of. <laughs> um, no, I appreciate your honesty because people are, 
understandably, I get it, like cagey about talking about, you know, what could be perceived as failure. But if we don't have those moments, we don't realize, you know, it, it sounds like it may have enabled you to be like, no, I really don't want to work for other people in these senses. I need, I'm going to focus on directing yeah. my projects. Yeah. So my last question is, how do you define personal success now? And how has that changed from when you were younger? Um, I think that, um, yeah, personal success right now is when, when studios, I mean, I think that, let me explain better. I think after Love, Death and Robots, I am able to have conversations that they were impossible, not only for me, for anybody in the industry of animation. Just the fact that you can go with an adult script or that, or with a script that is meant to be for live action and say, like, I want to do it in animation. And people say, like, wow, that's cool. Let's, let's hear about it. That, for me, is really successful. Um, it's not thanks to me. It's thanks to a lot of people that were doing Love, Death, and Robots and, and everything that happened after. Um, but that, for me, is really, really cool. Major success will be if I can actually do a feature film. Major, major success will be if I can actually finance it myself. So compare us when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I didn't even know how to, how animation work. And I was in my room figuring with lights and, and plastic, putting in front of the, of the, of the, how you call this thing, the torch. Um, mm -hmm. I was trying to figure how to animate the character and I was getting super frustrated and I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do it. And it's crazy because when you are 12, and then you see movies and then you see the credits. You are like, look at these motherfuckers. They are already working on this. Of, or, of course, they're like 30, 40, whatever. And you are 12. But you don't, you don't realize about that. You, at least myself, I was like, I don't think I'm never going to be able to figure it out. So I guess that comparing when I was a kid and where I am right now, um, it is, fuck, it's cool. You know, it's like, okay, so and not only I figure it out, I also figure out my own style and I'm, and I'm kind of like having people asking me, okay, what do you want to do next? So that's, that's nice. Yeah. I would say that's definitely a good definition of success. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully some of these crypto billionaires can fund your future, feature project. <laughs> oh, wees, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on the film. Thank you so much. It was thank a pleasure so talking much. to you. Yeah. Likewise. It was very refreshing talk. It was very yes. cool and very light. A huge thank you to Alberto. You can see his work online. And also just a quick clarification, the Polish film that we were talking about is from 1989 and it's called On the Silver Globe. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.